It means seeing your flaws, seeing your accepting flaws, them, accepting and realizing, and realizing I, can I can do better. So these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. So welcome to Winning with Trevor. I appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful. Hey, this is Trevor with Winning with Trevor, your no BS guide to self-improvement. And as was mentioned, success is our current theme that we're doing for the Winning with Trevor podcast. Now, we have four maxims on the Winning with Trevor podcast. The first one is success, which is our current theme. And we're going to talk about success in terms of the successful relationships that we have with other people, with friends, with family, with loved ones, with business associates. There's all types of levels of relationships that we have in life. And really, to be successful, while I definitely agree that achieving material success is definitely important, I don't think that should be, for any reason, uh, something people should feel guilt-tripped about wanting to do or to achieve. But at the same time, doing that alone, while not mirroring that outer journey with an inner journey towards being successful for the person you become in the process, gives you only half of the solution and you're not going to be happy as a person if you're successful in business but you have enough friends right so it's super important that success is applied not just to being on the cover of you know fortune 500 magazines and forbes but to truly say you know what i have successful relationships in my life i have success in being a good brother mother father sister brother son it's On those levels that I think success is often forgotten to be mentioned. So that's kind of the real spectrum that we're analyzing success and discussing that in. And the second maxim is happiness. What happiness really means. A lot of people, they kind of feel like, well, it's this intangential thing that will never really be achieved. Some people live their entire lives and never really find out for themselves what happiness really is because it comes from really an exploration of who we are. It comes from understanding what really does make us happy versus just excited or anticipation or those just brief moments of adventure that we have and then later we're left feeling empty. We still want more because we haven't done that inner journey. So true happiness comes from that investigation and finding out who we really are and that discovery. And we haven't used that yet as a theme, but when we do, That'll definitely be something to explore on a much deeper level. And then we have personal responsibility for our third maxim. Because honestly, unless we take responsibility for the person that we're becoming and the aftermath of each choice and action and thing that we say, then we're going to constantly be in this victim role that we're assigning ourselves, or we're going to assign ourselves basically the role of being a victim to say, you know what? I'm a victim because I've chosen not to take responsibility for how my life is, the people in it, the quality of life that I'm living, and the person I've become as a result of the choices that I've made. So that's why personal responsibility is super huge for being our third maxim. And then the fourth maxim was our previous theme for the past few months of self-awareness. Because the thing is, is that there's all kinds of levels of self-awareness that we have as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult in the 20s and 30s, and then the self-awareness older people have. It's of a different nature. It continues to evolve, adapt, and change as we do. And so how this relates to the other three maxims is the fact is is that without self-awareness, we're not going to really understand what success means individually to each one of us because we're not aware of who we are. And without being aware of who we are, how are we truly going to have happiness if we don't have self-awareness about the person that's creating or not creating, the happiness that we're experiencing or not experiencing. And we need that self-awareness to gauge just how well we're doing at having personal responsibility for the life that we're creating for ourselves. So that was why that was a theme. It's a huge overarching theme with a lot of things in personal development. And we've shifted now in the past month to the theme of success and entrepreneurship. Previously, I've been doing a LaunchCon series where I've interviewed several successful businessmen and women, and some even millionaires, 
that have really succeeded in creating their own business independent of the nine to five. And in that spirit of the theme of success, I am now joined today by Ariel R.K., who I met at a entrepreneur conference in Phoenix, Arizona, that is by Jeff Walker called PLF Live. And it's a phenomenal event that is full of a lot of really inspired people that are learning how to shape their lives and shape their business and create a new life for themselves. So, Ariel, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. How are you doing today? My pleasure. I am doing really well. It's been um, a full two days and we still have one left. Yes, ma'am. Yes, we do. So share a little bit about some of your journey. Where are you originally from? Um, So I'm originally from Gloucester, Massachusetts, which is a little fishing town. The only thing I can reference for that is the perfect storm, but moved across the country when I was six years old to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe, New Mexico. What what's special about Santa Fe? Um, well, they the they call it the city different. This is a little like Austin, where you're from, where it's weird people. You know, Austin's like keep it weird, keep right? It weird. So Santa Fe is like keep it different. Um, it's an art community. Oh, it is. Yeah. So I grew up in a really kind of creative environment. Um, it was fast paced for being a small town. Yeah. Um, and. There was, you know, it was was a really interesting place to grow up because you have, it wasn't um, like, you know, being Jewish white person, you know, I was only really one, as white, really only one. A small demographic. Small demographic, exactly. Um, And it was, there was a lot of money in Santa Fe, but New Mexico as a whole is really poor. Yeah. So it was just, you know, I felt like I grew up... um, you know, grew up fast there. Yeah. I was exposed to a lot. Exposed to a lot. You know, it's it's interesting because it's in our modern society we have right now, a lot of times what happens is parents expose children to a lot of adult themed stuff early on and it kinda it it kinda helps to have that childhood, you know, moment of childhood. And it, it is a little bit of a challenge when we have to go through things that force us to grow up a little faster. Sometimes it's just to survive. Other times it's just the situations and events that happen. And so part of, like, I think being successful is being able to survive, but also retain some of that joy and frivolousness, I think, just for the pure joy of living that children definitely have. And I think one of the reasons why I've enjoyed talking to you uh, and the time that I've known you, as short as that has been, is because I think despite the challenges that you faced and had to overcome, you have retained some of that. Yeah, I mean, I think this, like, for me, what has always been present is a wild imagination. And it's funny because as a coach, it's like that's sort of my job is now using people's imagination to dream up the life that they wanted to live. But as a little girl, it wasn't about my life. It was about my doll's life or the imaginary game that I was playing. It was always about creating different realities and living into those different realities. And honestly, that's how I coped as a kid. So you mentioned being a coach. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. Um, Well, coach means a lot of different things these days. So I think that's an an important thing to define. Um, I found the path a long time ago, about five years ago. My best friend was a coach. We were in a counseling psychotherapy program together. Right on. And I had been in a lot of therapy over my life, like over 10,000 hours. And there was something about even just being in conversation with her that was like, she'd literally just, it was just random comments, you know, things I would say. And she would drop me into my truth in this way that was like immediate clarity about something. Nice. It wasn't like this long drawn out process or colluding with some part of me that wasn't actually healthy. It was like, listen to you. This is what you actually want. Go for what you actually want. And, you know, just the way that I operate is highly intuitive. Um, As much as I know how to do research, I actually don't make decisions that way. So something about her 
pulled me down this path of life coaching and um, I was also doing performance coaching at the time um, as a consultant. What is performance coaching? What is that? Performance coaching is really focused specifically on creating more efficient, effective practices. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of like a linearity to it. It's like looking at you and going, okay, what are your goals? Mm -hmm. And then how are you using your time, energy, and attention? What are your motivations? Right. How do we synthesize this in a way that makes something more efficient and effective? That sounds awesome. So collapsing timelines is how I think of it. Oh? Yeah. Like... It could take this long, but with the right coaching, it takes half the time or a quarter of the time. You're folding space time with personal development so that you're achieving more in less time. Exactly. OMG. Exactly. Achieving more in less time. It's like evolving quicker to nice. do more within one's lifetime. I mean, that's what I, like I figure that. the human potential movement is. It's just like, can I experience more versions of myself in the time that I'm alive? That's very fascinating. So it's interesting when you mention uh, versions of yourself because I think it's one of those things that we kind of casually acknowledge, I think, for most people, especially most people that don't particularly have personal development or positive thinking as necessarily a focus in their life that they're, you know, focused around. You and I were definitely on on that, you know, vibration because that's what we've chosen to do. But I think for most people... It's, it's more of an aside, and it's not something they really think about in, in depth, but I think it deserves contemplation because the fact is is that, you know, how a version of yourself, right, 10 years ago would react to the same situation you would face today is different, sometimes completely different. I know for me, how I would react to something that happened, whether this is, you know, a, a situation of adversity, a situation where things that are that are great have happened, a compliment someone has given me, mm-hmm. or an insult someone has given me, or a situation where I'm trusted with taking care of someone else and being responsible for their feelings, right? How previous versions of myself would have reacted and responded to that, right? Very diverse, very different, with all different realities spawning off from that one starting place based on the me that I was during that period of time. So I think it's interesting that you bring that up. The the way in which we actually do drastically change over the course of a lifetime. And the funny thing is that on some level, there's also parts of us that, there, there's something comforting about the parts of us that don't change too. How do you, how do you mean? Expand on that a little further if you would. Well, I find that the amount of change that can happen is, is actually quite profound. And yet there's something, there's something that is scary about our capacity for change, or there's something that's scary about seeing how much change can happen over time. And so I like to balance that out with also noticing the parts of me that are be- that are there and just simply become more. Why do you think it's scary? I think it's 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 scary at a primitive level because it, we're not wired for difference. We're wired to maintain mm-hmm. the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I also think it's scary because facing the level of freedom that we actually have, existential freedom that we actually have as human beings with consciousness, with conscious choice and the ability to create our own realities. I mean, we say it glibly, but the fact that you can create your own reality is a huge responsibility. It's, It's a huge freedom that comes with a huge response ability. And so I think it's, to actually face that level of freedom puts you at the cl- the edge of a cliff. The edge of a precipice where you're forced to make a decision. Exactly. And you're forced to take responsibility for who you are and who you become. And that means you have to kind of reel all the parts of you back in that want to blame anything outside of yourself. I totally agree with all of those statements. And, you know, it's something that I'm developing as part of some of my coaching and online self-help program that I'm going to do is the fact that the fear of success is often a bigger motivator for giving in to inner saboteurs and 
clinging to old cycles that don't really get us anywhere, but they're familiar, right? And so it's easier to stick to familiar pathways where we're not really succeeding and we're not really being our best self because the unknown of who is that person? Who is that successful Ariel? Who is that successful Trevor? That's a stranger. Whoa. Like, I don't know if stranger I can... Stranger danger. Right? I don't know if I can be that person. It is more responsibility to do that. But the thing that I think is important to remember is that we're always affecting others. And I think part of my motivation, right, for getting into self-help is how I've, I've seen how I've positively affected the lives of other people as I've chosen to nurture and work on healing my own emotions from past traumas and how that's benefited the people that I'm around. And so while it is scary to take responsibility for our life and for who we are and how it is scary to see rapid change and the potential for rapid change within ourselves when we start walking that path, right? If we expand our awareness a little wider outside of just ourselves and the person that is a stranger to us right now, that future successful person of that new version of ourselves, it's a new version, we can see what's the chain effect? Like, what is the domino effect of our sphere of influence for strangers that will meet new friends, new besties that we'll form relationships with? Totally new besties. Right? And the thing is, is we don't know all the repercussions positive. Repercussions is such a trigger word used so negatively a lot, but repercussions also happens in an alternate form evolved as serendipity, right? Because when we help ourselves to be that successful version of ourselves. There's a wave or a ripple that's created. Yeah. Well, and what I hear you talking about too is, okay, so it is scary. So it is scary to change. It's scary to become that future stranger best self you mm-hmm. know that we've been talking about and the other piece of the puzzle is wh- like why not what's the motivation to face your fear and do it anyways it's like that's I feel like that's what you're talking about is that that bigger why and that bigger impact that is really lighting the fire in many people's hearts to do something that's scary to feel the fear and do it anyways. Yes. Why do people, why do they do this? Why do they wear wingsuits? These barely flimsy little spandex uniforms with little flaps and of jump material. Off a freaking mountain. Right. Because, <laughs> and why do they do it? I mean, why do they feel the fear and jump off the mountain? Is it purely for. Adrenaline. The, the adrenaline that comes out of it. Or is it the fact that all of a sudden they now have a shifted belief system about reality? They now don't think they can just walk. Now they know they can fly because they can fly. Whoa, your metaphors are getting too deep, girl. <laughs> I don't know if I can do all that. I do get accidentally too deep. I was just going to go to Starbucks and try to pick a good frappuccino. I mean, OMG. But uh, no, like. I think we have increased personal power with increased awareness and I think, you know, going back to a conversation we were having earlier about some of the things you're going to address in your coaching program that you're creating, which I support and I'm proud of you for doing, is... Coaches supporting coaches. There you go. Uh, Real recognized, real. Is that being able to reach that level where you can trust your decisions and your instincts and your intuition and trust yourself. It allows you to have that increased momentum, which then develops this, then develops that. Then because you had that confidence, because you trusted yourself, right? That confidence now leads you to make a new decision. Maybe not jumping off a building with a wingsuit on, but a new decision. Maybe you are afraid to believe in an idea that you had. And then suddenly, right, you trust yourself. You believe in this idea. Now you've created Uber and Lyft. I mean anything's possible totally I mean I think that's one of the amazing things coming to this theme of entrepreneurialism is that it really is a field of potential it is it represents the quantum level field of potential but it is okay you set your mind 
you do the do every day, you build habits that move you towards your goal, and you know, you actually keep going even if it gets hard. You keep going even if you feel fear. You keep, you learn from your failure. I mean, it's like those things together done daily leads to manifesting something in the world. And I think that's why I, my path has led me to entrepreneurship because I see it as a creative vessel. Small incremental steps get you to the top of that mountain. People think they got to leapfrog from the bottom to the top, and they don't. It's small baby steps like What About Bob with Bill Murray. This is not endorsed by What About Bob by Bill Murray, but you can always see What About Bob by starring Bill Murray if you choose to. Um, <laughs> but it's the analogy of, of making baby steps, right? Baby steps. And that's a good way to conquer fears, is to put things into bite-sized chunks, totally. right? It's so overwhelming to say, I want to be a new person. I want to be a better friend to the people that I know and love. Wow, how can I do that? How can I do that shit? That's too much, you know? But small incremental changes. Rerouting the wiring of our brains in small incremental changes. And that's beautiful. And that allows us to climb that mountain one step at a time yeah it's funny it's like sometimes letting yourself go slow is how you go faster it's like sometimes <laughs> letting it be small makes it big you know there's there's an it's an interesting thing like i noticed that allowing myself to to really meet like this is the piece around self-awareness that i think we both really get is like actually meeting myself where i am at and looking at okay What's actually the next step that I need to take? Not what's that 10th step that I see that person doing, so I think I have to do it. There's something about slowing down to the point of being present that I actually see as the most efficient path. And I think that, again, comes back to being rooted in being able to trust yourself, trust the process. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust yourself... It's really challenging to even make small steps because you second guess everything. But the, here's the interesting thing. Self-trust is not mindset. As much as we think it is, mindset or belief system comes after action. If we keep acting on an old belief, then we're literally signaling to our whole nervous system that belief is still true. Mm-hmm. But we can act on a new belief, not believe it, but every time we act on that new belief, it's like we're putting money in a new bank account. It's we're saying, okay, actually, no, I'm gonna actually start investing or betting on this new belief. Soon enough, enough materializes to actually convince your mind that the new belief is true. So self-trust is not actually trusting yourself, it's acting as though you trust yourself. Well, maybe if you don't have it, it is. That's true, if you don't have it. If you have it, I mean, there's some ways you can salvage, salvage self-trust too. There's plenty of times in my life where I had self-trust and maybe I was trusting something that, you know, wasn't actually good for myself. Right, or, or it's the half-ass approach. I kind of trust myself. I'll kind of do this entrepreneur shit. I'll kind of trust myself to do it, but maybe tomorrow. Right, and then it becomes this thing where, well, if it was like keeping it one hundred, uh, and you really trusted yourself one hundred percent, you'd realize the value in in acting now, acting faster, really going for it, right? But that kind of like, well, I, I have trust the half trust people, ain't no half trust fun, but the half trust people, and I've been there, right, in this journey of the multiple versions of myself, right, and and I'm sure other people have too, right, where like. I'm almost there, but I'm not quite. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of trust this. I think I can do it. I still really doubt that I, I can do this, but I'll do this much, right? And it's not quite baby stepping with intention when you're really trusting the process. It's kind of like doing a baby step and then six months later, maybe another one, right? Because you're just not really fully invested. When you do fully invest and you always get a return on that investment when you invest in yourself. 
that's interesting. I was talking about this with my friend this morning, the two feet in. What happens when you're two feet into something versus one foot here and one foot there, and then you bent a phantom foot in another direction, and all of a sudden now you have to divide your foot in half in all these other directions. I think that comes down to one of the central themes of like how a lot of folks are really evolved in one area and then totally unevolved in another area and it's almost surprising like wow you're so like really intelligent you're with it over here but wow you suck as being a friend or another part right you're like how does that happen and i think it's because of that right because what that leads to is gaps and intelligence yeah gaps and understanding of how things are actually related right because going to college doesn't mean you have heart smarts right having a phd doesn't mean you know how to treat your friends or your wife the right way and be kind and compassionate or to a homeless person right you still be an a-hole right because that emotional intelligence gap has not been bridged and at the same time there are people that are sweet as fuck good friends of mine even that i've known for years right and they that's where they did all the work they're emotionally intelligent as fuck and that's great and i love them for it but as far as like bridging the gap of what they need to do to become their like best self business wise or entrepreneur wise or any other way of like leveling up to not scraping and barely surviving right that hasn't been done either because there's no exploration Totally. And then I think on the same token, there is also, you know, maybe a principle, which is especially, you know, stepping up and creating a coaching business or something mm-hmm. that that involves a lifestyle brand or involves you as the service is that playing to your strengths is also important. So the person who does have the book smarts, you know, has spent a lot of time studying a specific science. It's like that's their strength. That's their zone of genius that's they can develop all these other parts of them but that's really their their gold their sure. gold offering whereas the person who's seriously big heart but like you know no business sense no business sense or i have plenty of friends that are like just you know like really big hearted but like detail wise it's like they you know like they don't really get the details of yeah. things it's like but then I'm like, well, then your strength is create is facilitating an experience or well, bringing so the bringing this is where I have to like agree and disagree with you. Cool, All right. disagree with me. Here comes the debate. Presidential candidates. Here's the debate. Play to your strengths. No. Well <laughs> oh no, people that disagree that can talk civilly about this. What's that? No yelling and mudslinging. What's that? Um, no, this Get ready is. For it. Get ready for it. <laughs> So, I agree and disagree, right? And and I think it's just multifaceted, like a diamond. It's the it's the idea that so. But just like, like what you like agree and disagree with, because and I, I will tend to agree and disagree with myself. So yes, constantly I might agree and disagree with you in agreeing and disagreeing. And with we me. might agree to disagree about what we agree to disagree about. Totally. But <laughs> <laughs> what I'm what I'm saying is that like I think it's two different conversations. I think that like on one hand. There's stuff that you and I both talked about, which is like not spreading yourself too thin, not trying to do everything and then like being just okay at everything instead of expert level at a few things, right? That's one discussion, right? Playing to your strengths if you're already really good at this or that, right? That's one discussion. But I think what I was talking about is more like a sense of wholeness for like emotional intelligence. Gotcha, gotcha. And like bridging the gaps where like on one hand, you may have valued something really high on an emotional intelligence level because you didn't understand like what that emotional intelligence was. And like, you know, that's the whole thing about success, right? And that's why I try to make this disclaimer at the beginning that it's multifaceted versus just material possessions. And the thing is is that like I think a lot of people where whether it's like they have one foot in, one foot out, or one foot in and then one foot out and then another foot somewhere else, right? Is this whole concept where people don't understand how much like really developing themselves as a person and healing that heart should take precedence before like trying to do everything else because if they forget about that, it comes back to bite them later, you know? And bridging that gap, right? I mean, that's so important because we don't realize, I think, what is it, Gandhi hit his wife, 
right? But he was like this really spiritual leader. Totally. I always right? use that as an example. Yeah. So one of my mentors, um, you know, believes her thesis around purpose is that first and foremost, our purpose is to heal ourselves. And if you look at it from that global perspective of the amount of trauma that not just we've all experienced in different ways, whether it's big T trauma or small T trauma, but that at a global level, it's like it's epigenetic. It's come through generations of trauma. That's a, that's a, that's a hundred point word. Alex Trebek. <laughs> so epigenetics is a study of, you know, genetics that gets passed down from generation to generation. How okay the life experience of my mother or my grandmother being a Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. actually impacts my very wiring. Mm -hmm. And it's, I could look at it from different, different kind of neurophysiological traits, but it's scientifically proven that part of my nervous system is a Holocaust survivor. And so, and that's just me and my lineage and you trace anybody's lineage and there is trauma in the past. And so if you look at it from this kind of evolutionary perspective, all of our thinking is based on these sort of traumatized thoughts, like relate so much of our relationship to money is still being impacted by the great depression. And so healing, doing our healing work, doing our rewiring work, first and foremost, allows us to start to make new kinds of decisions. Not just for our own lives and rewriting our own stories, but also the story of humanity. Creating a new legacy. Yeah, a new legacy for humanity on this planet. Like, no longer, like, looking at what evolved capitalism looks like. Like, what if people were not making decisions based on their own insecurities and their own never-ending feeling of not enough? What if we actually healed that and started to live in a world where people felt good about themselves what would be different about our current economic state on this planet we would probably have more green cities we'd have more evolution of sustainable agriculture versus like forest agriculture at the cost of rainforest that led to lead to blue baby syndrome when it's turned into cattle fields that like now cow shit has extra nitrate in it which then seeps into local water supplies and indigenous cultures that didn't ask for pepsi cola or a soy factory to emerge in that area and it's very possible that this value system shift which i've always been an advocate of because i think what we've been trying to address is the external problem. We've been like painting pictures on the window, but we're not looking through it. And we gotta like see beyond the pictures on mm. the window to the real goal, right? Which is a value shift of understanding like why kill what makes us alive? We don't have to be a hippie, burning bras at protests or fitting some stereotypical profile that has been made, right? It's just a matter of survival and understanding what level of survival we have to survive on emotionally, that's not been put to the forefront. It's all food, clothes, medicine at the cost of, right, our values, our humanity, our compassion. When you look deeper and you understand that this real value system change of service to others versus only service to self, right, as something that is predominant in capitalist monologues or themes, right, or, 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 other, or, or socialism, which is not perfect either, you know, there's so many levels to that, right? And the people actually started with a revolution from a value-centered perspective, right? To change this planet for the better. Totally. And as millennials, which both of us are. How dare you speak that aloud? I'm, I'm freaking proud to be a millennial and I'll wave that flag high. <laughs> and the reason is because I spent a lot of time actually suppressing my millennialness. I, I tried to... I tried to, I'm millennial triggered by yeah, you saying this. I tried to suppress it. I tried to I tried to prove people wrong. I wasn't entitled, all of this stuff. And then, you know, it kind of slapped me in the face when I realized I was doing myself a disservice by trying to impress or prove something to older generations when really I had to get relevant with myself and get relevant sure. with the times. Our generation grew up with a lot of different messages. But one of them that I think is important is that as we're coming of age, as we are moving into leadership positions, we are seeing that the future is far more unclear and far more complex than any other generation. Well, and it's hard. We don't have we don't have another option. I, I don't think I think I think you're right 100%. It's not a hippie movement. 
it's a survival movement right for millennials from a value well but for everyone though everyone on the planet yeah but right. they're gonna die we're all gonna die. Yeah, we're but, all gonna die. But I'm saying we have a little longer on this planet, and there's a lot of change that's. Well, coming. think about like the three generations younger than us, right? I mean, it's them as well as the totally. people currently in power that are gonna hand off the torch to us. You know, so I think like it's so complex. How do you explain, on an emotional intelligent level, someone who is the owner of you know Chevron, you know, or another gigantic Saudi oil company, you know, that is like saying. You know, you are oppressing our right to business by not having trade laws that benefit the oil companies and not giving us subsidies, you know. And it's like, oh, you're oppressed, but at the same time, this method of business, while they may lose money by going more sustainable at first, that actually is the next boom, you know, to be honest. Yeah. And it's just, we have this old thinking that's still in place, right? These old paradigms that are really killing the earth and the problem with that is that there's an emotional sickness that accompanies this inside of people that continue to justify old ideas or old mistakes just not to face them and people are dying in wars as a, as a cost of, of old men's egos right and, well and the funny thing is it circles back around to what we are talking about which is afraid of your better self right it's like these people and <clears throat> these people these people are like and, and something that I was actually going to say earlier was that and, and like feel like it's important to name in this conversation is that what we're talking about is actually very often unconscious processes occurring in people yeah so the person who is you know this CEO of Chevron or whatever it is you know their better self their best self might be the person that can be that transformative leader that can create an amazing company culture and move towards green energy and think, you know, think for the planet and right. be happy with having $200 million instead of a billion dollars or something like that. But that person, who they are and who they've become versus that best self yeah. is such a stranger to them. Right. And they've, they're afraid of it. They're afraid. But when you're 60 years old, you're a lot more afraid of your best self if you've been one way for 40 this is years. This true. Then if you're 25 and your brain's still developing and you're still becoming a person and you're still and figuring out your identity. And yet these days, even those six-year-olds have Facebook accounts. True, true. And there are plenty of 60-year-olds, like, holding it down, like, you know, early millennials, you know? But I, but I just have, like, I just think that's important to name is that that's what a great connection. about no, that's a great connection. is often unconscious, and we often are afraid of changing at, at a level that we're blind to. Well, and the thing is, is that it's a thought of sacrifice. It's a thought that we do not really have a clear understanding of what sacrifice really means you know i mean on a whole other thread we can talk about you know and i've mentioned this in this podcast before with other interviews like i did one with uh, my friend ulrich and on the interview we talked about the misconception that suffering is necessary for salvation right which is a whole monologue that most likely was something brought from jesuit priests to you know uh native americans from back in the like columbus you know days and eras but it's not. So it's, it's a really, really good sales pitch to right. inflict harm on somebody. Right, and it gets them to work for you uh, so you can get their goal. But I mean, so that's a whole other thing. But I think when it comes to like being afraid of this new self that we possibly could be and really evolve into with work and not work that comes from sweating, you know, and, and, and forcing ourselves to do things that, that make us unhappy, but rather the work that comes from accepting ourselves as capable of evolving into something better. If we understand that means sacrificing our ego that pats us on the back and says, no, you've never made a mistake. Yeah. No, you're right. No, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get injured. If you point out to me, that there needs to be any kind of change or anyone else points out to me that there needs to be any other kind of change. So this voice of the ego dominates people and they don't realize that the thoughts they're thinking that come from that source are not really their own. It's almost like this artificial 
creation inside of them based on the influences of previous generations like parents school, right influences society, right like this big how you're supposed to be right this idea of how you're supposed to be based on outdated antiquated beliefs that aren't serving the whole of humanity to evolve in a capable way to protect itself from extinction a hundred percent i mean i think the question of the ego is a really it's a big conversation and the ego death that's required to not only meet but integrate this this best self or future self that we're afraid of um and that you know one thing that helps me is really to remind myself that i'm gonna have to figure this out one way or another because i'm going to die one way or another and so you know that's what helps me i take that larger lens like well what's an ego death compared to real death or at least that this is a way of practicing and what you know studying buddhism or other eastern traditions practicing letting go of everything you know including your identity is part of the enlightenment process well i think for most people they may not be willing to shave their head and meditate in a monastery for oh, no, 16 hours a day no, for three years of their life of you know i think just dial back a little bit dial back What's what's Donna Summer's Don't talk name? About death. <laughs> what's what's Donna Summer's name in the phone book? Summer's Donna. Summer's Donna. Summer down now. So look, I think <laughs> sorry <laughs> to I not rip off to not bring up Saturday Night Live skits and misappropriated uses, um, which is what I just did. But uh, I think really to to simplify, right? I think what it comes down to is to understand like what is sacrificed when we decide to overcome the voice of our ego, oh, right? I love that. Yeah. You know? What, like, if we're saying yes to this, what are we saying no to? Right. And it's like, okay, so if my ego says, Trevor, you're always right. How dare anyone give you feedback about your thoughts and opinions? And I'm like, well, if I gave into that voice all the time, instead of just some, <laughs> I would never grow as a person and I would never make new friendships with people because I would never get out of the house. I would never do anything different. I'd always be doing the same thing because I'd be convinced that everything I'm doing already was great. And if everything I'm doing already is great, there's no need to change or anything different. So I'd be stuck in the exact same place forever, right? So is that worth sacrificing? Hells yeah. You know, what am I getting in return? New experiences, new perspective, new people, new ideas. I integrate into how I live my life. And that equals more happiness. It equals more satisfaction that I'm actually having momentum it going towards just something better yeah. without actually having to name it even or be specific it's a feeling you know i, I love how you're putting that because it's really about the the give and the take it's like in order to become someone new in order to transform into your best self or the version of your best self that's possible at a given moment you do have to let go of an old self and the trade-off is totally worthwhile and there's also a factor, which is that no matter what, there's always a little bit of a grieving process that has to happen. Even if the death of the ego. The death of the ego. Even if your old self kind of sucks, like you're still gonna miss it because it it was a part of you. And I think that's where, like, again, circling back to this idea of what is coaching, and in both of our pursuits of creating online courses, like, why do we coach? At one time, looked up the like the word coach because I was like I want to know about this profession I'm getting myself into do tell and um, you know the origin of the word was really to describe a a carrier or a car like a co like a coach like taking one yes. of those like think about like a Cinderella or something you know like the pumpkin a horse drawn carriage yeah for some reason I think of a horse drawn that's what I was thinking of I think <laughs> of a horse like a comfy horse drawn carriage but what what like popped into my mind was like, oh, and it, the thing about a coach was that it was used to describe a really comfortable or like fancy way to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, that's really interesting because coaching is like the fancy, comfortable way of getting from letting your ego die, going through the grieving process, and then transforming into your best self. And you hire a coach to make the journey more comfortable. I take issue with what you have said. I take issue with this. Very specifically, I take issue with your use of the word fancy. And I'll tell you why. 
because a friend of mine recently said to me that self-help is for rich people or for books in bookstores that take up shelf space. Well, it was. And so then I take issue with that because I'm like, well, do people have to make six figures to benefit from self-help? Certainly not. And, and, and great. I, I'm glad we're bringing up this conversation. And the emphasis there was comfortable not necessarily fancy. But do you have to not get beyond your comfort zone in order to break open those wounds to heal them better and find out what's been stopping you from succeeding? No, but I have to say, if you're doing that with a coach versus doing it on your own, it's a hell of a lot more comfortable. Well, I don't know if I would use the word comfortable because I think... <laughs> I think if people, yeah, no, comfort, comfort <laughs> is a loaded word. I'm like, I think if people are serious about like let's change something up, this shit ain't working anymore. I'm not happy. It ain't really a comfortable process. It is a trial by fire. You are walking the tightrope. You have to say I'm gonna take a risk and do and be and feel something different. That's scary AF for most people. And I think it's not a comfortable way. Now, if I can, if I can, Alex Trebek, for $5,000, if I can have transformative, what is transformative? You know, that's a word I go with. But I would say in reference to the responsibilities and assurances that a life coach could give you, I would say if it's more assured or there's more trust, right? I would say that's cool. I don't know about comfortable. Well, okay, so, so this is a good question. And lace and red velvet pillows yeah. in your coach. Yeah, so, comfort, <laughs> so red velvet pillows in the coach, but, but this is a good question for me. Because, okay, so one metaphor I like to think about is like running. Uh-huh. On my own, let's say I would run like 10 minutes or something. But let's say I were to have a coach. They'd push you. And the coach would push me. Maybe I would run 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And maybe the coach would talk to me, you know, keep my mind focused on something else at different points, push me to go faster at different points. They would, they would intentionally build my stamina. They might intentionally distract me. They might intentionally motivate me. Overall, they'd get me farther, and it might be a more enjoyable experience. And so I think about that with, like, being at this event that we've been at. Mm -hmm. There were some moments that were coming up for me where I was getting stuck in workshopping. And I decided to have an impromptu session with my business coach. And thank God that you did. Because if you would have not stepped out, I wouldn't have randomly met you and given you some tips on maybe a good direction to go in. I know. Lesson on being a bad student. <laughs> Playing hooky when things get hard. but Or following, following your instinct versus doing what you think you should was really right. a lesson. No, that's huge, all right? So doing what you think you should, okay? Proper social decorum. I should have sat in my chair, and I should have accepted the fact that even though I already knew everything that was being taught, and I wasn't really receiving any benefit at this moment, and I was silently screaming inside, oh, but social decorum, I should sit and take this and just continue to sit there. Yeah. If I would have accepted that instead of what my instinct said is, you know what, get out. This is a time to move around and to get out, right? I took that instinct over what I should have been doing. And because of that, I'm going to meet you. This is manifested in this podcast currently being recorded, which I'll have to say, in my subjective opinion, is one of the best uh, that I've recorded because of your familiarity with personal development and the way to think about things in a way that may not be traditional but is very rewarding. You know, I mean, I think, you know, it's possible we could have just solved all the world's problems. Uh, <laughs> in one little podcast. I mean, there you go. the world, My the world. God. I mean, you think about it. If, if, and if, and if, if, if <laughs> anything, it's when you already know what's being taught to you, walk out of the room, or if you're having an identity crisis, walk, walk out, out of the room. room. Well, and I don't really want to say it like that because there are times I'm, when, yeah. when we like, we Staying do, in the room is we, important. well, we do need to reemphasize certain things that we need to learn. But at that moment, it was about to be some, 
uh, other physical exercises done to wake us up from lunch or something like that. And I was like, I've seen this, I've done this. This is not supporting me in my journey, so I need to leave at this point in time. And it gets some inner space and outer space, and it happened. I'm a space cadet. But, you know, as a result of following my instinct and not denying myself that because I was forcing myself to stay out of a sense of obligation, yeah. which is not naturally how I feel, because I tend to rebel against being forced to be a certain way. I just, that's who I am. I have to go with my intuition and my instinct. Because I did that, I met you. We had this great conversation, led to this podcast, which has now solved all the world's problems by simply changing the value system of our present and younger generations coming up to understand the value of compassion, reciprocity, sustainability on a interpersonal and interdependent relationship basis, as well as economical, financial, urban planning, and governmental level. And I think if we can apply it across the board, we would see a better world. And, and I have to say this. I firmly believe that people who make choices, the big choices in their life based on obligation, are not the people that make history. And they are not the people that start Uber and Lyft. Well, as Noam Chomsky historically and famously said, the winners write the textbooks. Yeah. And if you're going over what your quote-unquote textbook taught you, then you're not writing the textbook. You're following the pathway to be a good employee. To be reliable and domesticated and consistent. But we really need Martin Luther Kings. We need Malcolm X's. We need people out there that are shaking the foundation of accepted norms, not just to cause a fuss, fussy, but to actually open people's hearts and minds up to say, hey, there isn't another way. There is perhaps another way you haven't thought about that leads to a better path. Yeah. And I mean, I think one thing for me that's really come true or becoming more true for me is that while I can want to be one of these history makers and leaders and make that multi-million person impact on this planet, just simply starting with how I'm leading myself and the kind of impact I'm making my own life is really, I think, where where the revolution ends and begins because at the end of the day if we had a bunch of empowered people on this planet we'd all be each other's leaders at different points we're all students and teachers as a course of miracle talks about but like oh, i love a course of miracle yeah they talk about we're all student and teachers it's good stuff so think about it like this all right i've traveled to seattle not trying to rhyme uh, i've traveled to new york i've traveled uh to new orleans to las vegas to multiple cities in California, Las, you know, I've been to Las Vegas as well. It's not in California. I know it's not. I'm just mentioning it. It's close. <laughs> close San Francisco, Los Angeles, Hawaii, France, London, Orlando. I've been to a lot of different places. And the thing is, and my hometown, Austin, motherfucking Texas. Great place. Don't move there. We're full. We're all full. We have no more room, by the way, BTW. But I'm just saying... <laughs> You can come to Colorado, though. <laughs> my proper, my, the value of my property will keep going up. There you go. So, just like all the places that I've been, right? The random streets that I've walked in New Orleans after listening and watching live jazz at the, the Black Cat in the, you know, downtown district of New Orleans, right? Being able to have these conversations with strangers, friends, family, People that I saw when I used to ride the bus when I was younger. People that I interacted with at school. The, the janitors that I saw at places that I worked at. Or the students that I had conversations with in courtyards. In both community college and universities. At conventions that I've gone to for entrepreneur conferences. At random moments when a homeless person would ask me for change. And I'd have a conversation about visualization and using his heart to change his life right like the the wow factor here is that we don't really know how many people we truly have affected mm. by how we've chosen to be at a certain point in time yeah. and by being more active stewards of who that person is through personal development through life coaching through living intentionally right we have so much power whether or not we are the next Martin Luther King to impact 
literally thousands of lives. Yeah, you're so right. And I love that reminder because, you know, it really, I think what one thread in this conversation is actually focusing on the small things, the mm-hmm. daily habits. Baby the steps. One, the one person you can impact. And then the one way you can even lean into this scary future self. Right. That is fucking rocking it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the little things. Uh-huh. Big change. That's what we know as coaches. That's our secret sauce. There you go. Maybe we'll do a uh, a a collaboration together called Little Things Big Change. Right? Yeah. Maybe we can do something like that. Little Things Big Change. Right. That's got it's kinda catchy. It is kinda catchy. Right? Well I can make the music for it and do that. Figure it out. <laughs> So, um, how do you want to wrap this up? We can do this in a number of ways. Um, we can wrap this up when you uh, dial this 800 number. You can get your, you know, how collection, you collection, collection edition of life coaching platters, plates, matching wristbands, headbands, sweatbands, um, and socks, colored socks, right? With our names just plastered across them for only $19.99. They're not just socks. They'll get you places. I'm sold. I want it. I, I want it. I want that swag. I want a cool headband that oh, says God. Ariel RK. <laughs> Maybe later, right? Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> well, um, listen, Ariel, thank you so much for taking the time to guest on my podcast. The Winning with Trevor uh, podcast, your no BS guide to self-improvement. Very happy to have you on here. And listen. This doesn't have to be the end of this. We can still collaborate. We can do ebooks together uh, and maybe future podcasts. Or, you know, I know there's technology to do kind of split screen stuff on Facebook Live videos. We're going to do that sometime. Yeah. Have a real conversation live about some of these issues. Have people chime in with comments and conversations, right? Things like that. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you'll really find value in the Anything is Possible ebook that shows you how to use your thoughts to create your whole reality. Super powerful stuff, people. People live and die without finding out this information. I'm revealing for free. All you have to do is go to trevorwgoodchild.com slash anything is possible. Enter your email in there, sign up. You'll get it delivered to your inbox ASAP. And you follow that, trust the process, live a happier life tomorrow even. It's not that hard. It's real easy. And listen, if you can go ahead and send me a quick message on Facebook and tell me what you like about this. What were your favorite parts of this podcast? How did this make you feel? You can reach out to me at facebook.com slash Trevor W. Goodchild INC. Click on send message. Now, there's a warning. I do have a few autoresponders, but as soon as I see that message, I'll get back to you. I'll answer your questions. We'll have a great conversation, and I would love to talk to you further about what makes you happy about this podcast. And so with that, I'm going to wrap up another episode of Winning with Trevor, your no BS guide to self-improvement. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I sincerely hope that you have a wonderful rest of your weekend and that you truly do achieve your dreams. Say goodbye, Ariel. Bye. It means seeing your flaws, accepting them, and realizing I can do better. So these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. Winning with Trevor, signing off. Appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful.